Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Somebody once said, Gabe, you speak really fast. I said, no, I don't. You just listen slow. So <laughs> let's get listening. Let's get leaning in. Three stories very quickly. I'm going to read them for time's sake. In the 1960s, there was a record company called Decca Records. It was one of the biggest record companies in the world. And they, across their path came a band, a group of aspiring young musicians from a, a lowly city called Liverpool. But Decca Music Records was, were not impressed because they are quoted on record saying, guitar bands have had their day and they thought that this bunch of scruffy misfits weren't going to change that anytime soon. Their biggest gripe with this band as well was they had spelt their name wrong because they could not spell Beatles properly. Decca Records went underground after that. EMI, to, EMI Records took hold of them. And because of that, the rest is history. The Beatles became the biggest band in the world, and Decca Records is no longer. In the 1975, one of Kodak's engineers, Stephen Sasson, developed an early concept for the digital camera. He told his employers, assuming that they would be delighted, but they weren't. Kodak saw it as a threat to its main business of making traditional film, so it suppressed the technology of digital film and hoped it would never see the light of day. Unfortunately, it did. They were slow to catch on the rise of digital and only narrowly escaped bankruptcy. Digital has become, has made the com should have made the company billions. Instead, it nearly killed it. The technology was in their hands, but they chose to pass it on. Thirdly, and probably most real for all of us here, in 2000, a company called Blockbuster ruled home entertainment when along came a struggling business called Netflix that did online mail order in need of cash. And it came to Blockbuster asking for some help and, they said, and the CEO offered to sell up Netflix for $50 million, but it, he was laughed out the building. John Antioco, head of Blockbuster at the time, felt the offer was ludicrous. And we all know what happened next. Netflix got into streaming, people stopped renting DVDs, Blockbuster was slow to react and fell into decline. Today, Netflix is valued at more than $70 billion. And Blockbuster video is all but dead. I tell these stories, and uh, I could go on and on and on. I'm fascinated about these moments, and uh, I'd hate to have my name attached to Decca Records, the guy who passed up on the Beatles. I'd hate to have my name attached to Kodak, the guy who passed up on digital film. I'd hate to have my name on Blockbuster and passed up on Netflix. But actually, what we are trying to say in this, we're doing a series called Eternity Matters, and actually we are saying that we are wanting to shift our perspective and our practice from just living and reacting to the here and now. Because the here and now often sells us short. And we want to say as a people, we want to, not be a, we want to be a people who are not selling ourselves for the short-term returns and rewards at the expense of eternity. You see, for all of these different companies, which are just, they're actually just paltry examples if we look at light of eternity. But our, every single one of them, I, pre, I imagine, of looking back over lunchtime years later, would say, if only I had known what was sitting in my lap at that time. If I had only known the offer that was in my hand at that moment. And I, my prayer for us as a, as a community of believers with so much more at stake than just mere dollars and cents, so much more extend, at stake than just a band. I know Henry wouldn't say just a band. Beatles, they're not just a band. I know Henry. Sacrilege. But with so much more at stake when it's in light of eternity, I pray that we would not one of us would be a people saying, looking back years from now, saying, if I only knew the moment I was sitting on. It's nice to have you back, Jen, by the way, all the way from overseas. 
So this series, we're wanting to help us live in light of eternity and give us some perspective and practices to help us do that. So if you've missed the first two weeks, I'd ask you to go and listen to him. But for time's sake, Genesis chapter 12 this morning, verse 1 to 4. Four verses, but I really pray four verses that will get deep inside of your heart and will change your life. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 4 will be on the screen behind me. It says this, The Lord said to Abraham, The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Cool. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for this moment, this brief moment on a Sunday morning. I thank you, though, that this moment is not measured in minutes. Its significance is, uh, significance is not measured in minutes or attendance or, or what, anything else of, of earthly metric. I thank you this moment's significance is measured in eternal worth. Amen. And Father, would you drive eternity deep into our hearts so that we would live with that goal in mind, not with earth, earthly temporary pleasures. I thank you, Father, you're shifting us as a people to see what you see. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So three very quick things. If you are leaning in, please take notes, write them down because we're not going to pause. We're not slowing down this morning. Three things, though, that I am praying for us as a people, for every single one of us and us as a community, that we would see and understand and will not let the opportunity just pass us by. Number one, we need to understand and open our eyes to revelation. So in the story, we find Genesis 12, if you are unfamiliar with it, in 30 seconds I give you a backdrop. This man named Abram was the most unlikely choice for God to command his blessing upon him and the nations of the world over. This man, Abram, was a man by any other design was disqualified. Why? He was a son of an idol merchant. His dad made money servicing other foreign religions. He came from a polytheistic culture that believed not in the one supreme God, but in multiple gods, a choose-your-own-adventure type reality. Of, uh, if you, you go with what I want, a pluralistic society, he came from that. More than that, he was a stargazer. He was a man who's, who took his direction from the sun, the moon, the stars. What they would say, that's how he would plot his life, something that was forbidden for the, for the people of God. He was also old and barren. From his marriage, from his life, there was no children, there was no fruit, and this was something that was a shame in that culture. More more than that, we find out in Genesis 11, he had lost his brother, Haran, and Haran also uh, had lots of debt in, 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 in his stead as well. So possibly we could find at, in Genesis 12, as that page opens up, we find a man, who is, uh, a man who is so far away from God and is possibly even bitter because of his circumstances. But then the scripture opens by saying, the Lord said to Abram. Now, I want to just help us in this moment by saying too many times I think that I gave Phillips in making decisions of what my emotions, what the economy, or what the enemy are saying to me. Often I think my story often starts with the most days sometimes. My emotions said to Gabe. The enemy said to Gabe. The economy said to Gabe. My health said to Gabe. And I live my life in response to that. But we find this scripture starts off, the Lord said to Gabe. The Lord said to Abram, the Lord said to you and I. You see, I want to say, to, I don't know who it is, but just to remind us at the deepest level right now this morning that you're not too disqualified for the voice of God to speak. 
I don't care what has gone before you. I don't care how many false starts you've had, false attempts you've had. I don't care how far you've wandered or what the, your preceding chapters of your life have declared. The word of the Lord comes to Abram not because of anything good about him, but because of the faithfulness of God. And the scripture starts, the Lord said to Abram, you're not too f disqualified for the voice of God to speak. You're also not too disqualified for God to bless you. See, in fact, this is his very heart. The scripture says this, that we just read. It says, God to Abram says this, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. Now, when God is saying this to Abram, it's not some cheap talk. It's not cheap, God bless, like we throw it in the end of a thing. God bless you. When we give a tip to a waiter or we give a tip to somebody or, or we, we say goodbye to somebody, we say it almost as like a trivial thing. God bless you. But when God himself, the Almighty, Elohim, is standing there and he says to Abram, says, I am going to bless you. This is not some trivial, cheap talk. This is who he is. This, in fact, this is Genesis 1 language. We've been laboring that. The page 1 of the Bible is story to us as humanity. But what God is doing here, Genesis 12, is God taking what he did in Genesis 1 and he's reapplying it not at a universal level, but he's actually saying I'm doing it at a personal level. Genesis 12 is God taking Genesis 1 and applying it to our lives. It's not in a generic sense. It's deeply personal. You see, what we are needing, A.W. Tozer said that the thing that we need the most, humanity needs the most, is a high view of God. And what happens to us so often is that we want a God that we can understand, a God that we can uh, make sense of, a God that is able to qualify what's going on, the, the, the whirlwind, the storm that we're in right now. We so often want a God that we can understand when God says, no, I'm above it and I, my ways are not your ways. I operate on a different economy. And I want to say today that I, Gabe Phillips, cannot exaggerate the goodness of God. I cannot exaggerate it because the goodness of God is so good that no preacher has ever overstepped the mark of telling about the goodness of God. Why? Because he is outrageously generous. He is so unfathomably good. You see, the enemy's number one tactic is to downplay the goodness of God. If you want to know what the enemy is on about, he's actually not really that concerned about your sin or the way your habits. Actually, the very underpinning about your sin is he wants you to choose something that's not the goodness of God. He wants to push you away from trusting the goodness of God. And you see, when we lose sight of this, we get ripped out of the divine relationship of what we were designed for. Genesis 1 tells us that we were designed for something, a relationship with God of receiving and in giving. Receiving and giving. And Genesis 3 rips us out of that relationship and puts in the heart of humanity the false substitute of demanding and taking. You see... When we see God and understand our relationship with Him, we live in a receiving and giving. Freely we receive, now freely we give. But Genesis 3 puts the language, I must have, so I take. Eve, the enemy comes and says, surely God is not that good. So her response is, her eyes were open, she saw the fruit that was delicious and good to eat, and says, so she took. When actually up to that moment, God said, everything is yours. There's no striving, there's no reaching into something that's not yours. And that's gone into the heart of everything. And I want to say, what's at the underpinning the flaw of most marriages, most relationships, is this thing of not just understanding, just receiving and giving. It's actually, I'm demanding and taking my rights, what I need. 
that gets into the, the, the fabric. But God is saying, actually, I want to bust that open because I have blessing for you. I've said it again and again. You were made for blessing. You were made for bigness. And this needs to go in our heads and into our hearts and explode with revelation of this. Revelation is not just something you know, but something that goes deep into your heart and explodes to life and go, I get it. And it changes the way you relate to God. So what is this? You go, Genesis 12, what has that got to do with me, Gabe? That's grateful, good old Abram. But what about me? Well, the scripture will be behind me now. Galatians 3 verse 9 says it this way. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of faith. The extravagant, the outrageous, the, the ridiculous promise of God, I want to bless you and make you famous, Abraham. Galatians 3 says all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received. I want to say God is speaking, God is calling, He wants to bless you, and I want us to understand and ask, actually not settle for what the understanding of God's goodness right now in our hearts. Say, God, open my eyes, don't let this moment pass, don't let this opportunity pass, don't look back and go, if only I'd realized then the goodness of God, things will change. Revelation. Secondly, this morning, we need to understand and have a new understanding of responsibility. See, God doesn't stop there. He says, I want to bless you and make you famous, comma, and all nations will be blessed through you, Abraham. I love this. Because you see, you and I were never meant to be the end. Abraham was never meant to be the end of the, of, of the story, you see. And this is, uh, we've railed on it, and it's, uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep mentioning this because it gets into our hearts at some level. But this is why we are a people who are against the prosperity gospel. We're not against the God of blessing. We're not against the God of prosperity. But we're against the prosperity gospel because what the prosperity gospel fa where it fails is it takes God who's supposed to be at the center, who's pouring his blessing to us, who then is going to go through us. The prosperity gospel puts us at the center. Us at the center. And actually, it's about my prosperity and what God's going to do for me. No, no. God says, I want, if, I'm good, if I can get it to you, if I can get it through you, I'm going to get it to you. This is the understanding for this, 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 this notion is that you and I were made to be just a conduit. A conduit. And I, I, I won't tell you, richness, Andy Stanley defines richness. He says, you're rich not by what you get, but you're rich by what you give away. How do we get to this? How do we do this? I'll, for time's sake, I'll skip through other things. But in Genesis 12, verse 1, we can't skip verse 1. It says this profound thing. It says this, first verse we read. God says to Abraham, leave your country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. So God says to him, yeah, this is the way. There's a way for this. He says, I want you to leave all that you've known. Leave your father's family, your relatives, and go to the land I'll show you. The last verse we read, verse 4. So Abraham says, I want to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. Abraham believes it by faith, faith and says, so Abraham went to the land God was showing him. And it says this, and Lot went with him. That's just like a little thing there. It's and I've, I've read it a million times. I've preached a million times, but I can't get over it. I've underlined that little line. Who was Lot? Well, we find out who Lot was in chapter 11, the one before that. We find that there was a man, Abram's dad was called Terah. He had three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Great names for kids. And Haran had one son named Lot. So Lot was part of Abram, it was, brothers, it was Abram's nephew, his brother's son. Abram was part of his family, part of his relatives. But God in Je Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 says, Abram, leave your family, leave your father's relatives and go. So Abram went 
but took Lot with him. Partial obedience. Now, I read this, and I want to say this is, see, in our lenses, I want to help us here, because you see, in natural lenses, Abraham had no children. He had no kids himself. So he probably had, he's got a means, he's got ability to do this thing, look after. Now he longed for a son. Now his brother Haran has died, and he has left a son who now doesn't have his dad, Lot. And Lot longed for a dad. We've got a man who's longing for a son, we've got a son who's longing for a dad. So you can imagine a, national, a natural rationale. This makes sense. I can't leave Lot. I've got to take him with me. But God had a bigger promise. God says to Abraham, I'm not going to do it through your natural means. I'm going to give you as many sons as the stars in the heaven. I'm going to bless you in a way that you don't know. Uh, that's not going to be through your manipulating. He said, I'm going to do more than you can imagine. And I, I just something that I really felt to put into our hearts was that these two men, and their families, they had legitimate needs, but they tried to manipulate it through illegitimate means. They both had legitimate desires for a father and for a son. But God says, my provision is not going to come through your illegitimate means. I've told you a way to do it, but you're choosing a way that's better than me. Let me say it this way. You and I, Abraham left to go into the land that God was going to take him to, but Lot went with him. You and I, just like Abraham, have a lot to get rid of. Yes, yes, it's cheesy. But if you trace that relationship of Lot, it seems legitimate. It seems like, oh, come on, come on, just lighten up. That man Lot almost cost Abraham his inheritance time and time and time again. Because God said, actually, there's a way. And so often, we allow, we, we will, we allow to, we turn our stories and we, the way we dress up, with, we lean into our version of theology or our way of living, or we excuse a few things into the backseat of our car. We allow a few backseat things into our lives, whether it's addiction, habits, uh, responses, um, response systems. We've got these uh, spending habits. We've got things that, we, that are maybe not sinful or maybe not totally outside of the, what we thought was normal, but we've allowed those things to enter in when God says, no, no, I've called you to a different way. And there's a responsibility for you and I to pick it up. I want to say, don't let this moment slip by. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, an incredible man, once said this. He said, being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin and more about courageously and actively doing God's will. I don't know who this is for even right now. I really believe that there's people here today who need to make a decision of something that's been in the gray area of their lives for a long time. And you know that relationship needs to be stopped. Maybe it's, it hasn't crossed the line to being sinful, and it's actually okay, and actually I can explain it to my spouse that it's actually not, a do it's not sinful. We're just friends. But you know that's in the gray, and God says, enough. I don't know who this is for. Maybe there's a way that you've been spending your money, and you know that actually it's not evil, but actually and I can manage it, I can afford it, but God's saying, enough. Lot was not supposed to go with him. So, man, we've got a responsibility for the blessing of the nations around us, not to drag things around with us. Thirdly and finally, they're all ours this morning. Revelation, responsibility, but also rewards. You see, he says to him, I'm going to make bless you, make you famous, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations a little bit later in the narrative. I want to tell you very quickly two things about rewards. Jesus speaks about rewards all the time. 
rewards. And firstly, there's eternal rewards. Eternal rewards are stake here. In Matthew 6, before the famous passage where he says, seek first the kingdom, he talks about three things we do in secret. He says, pray in secret. Fast in secret, give in secret, and every one of those little stories ends with, because your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Not as some bait and switch, not saying actually I'm going to do it if you do this. This is in response to revelation of a good father. If you see him and actually I don't need the praise of man, I don't need to live for other people's approval, I don't need to live for them, but I'm going to respond to that revelation. He says, I will reward you. And there's, there's a, an eternal rewards. And I want to just call us, a man named Randy Alcorn, Alcorn says, a, a, a perfect writer about eternity and heaven and money. He says, actually, we can't take anything with us, but we can send a whole lot of it ahead. He was echoing Jesus' words. He says, do not store up treasures here on earth where moth, rust, and thieves can come and destroy and, and, and just damage and take away. But send them ahead. Send your treasures. Store up treasures for yourself in eternity. We are called to do that. And I want to say, it's like I was reading recently about the time before Europe went to the Euro. There was this whole move before the Euro. And if you had francs, there was like this window period where you knew you had a year before francs would be obsolete. So people would be using all their francs. And every month they'll give updates. Actually, you've got one less month to spend your francs. And they got a moment where there's the last month, where actually the last week, they said, actually, this is a cutoff. From next week, we're moving to the Euro. And then your francs will, be, will not be able to purchase you anything. And people were going wild. The Franks were going in exchange rates and all this to get, make sure they would use their currency because by the next week, whatever money they had in Franks would be useless. Similar to you and I, there's a time when our earthly currency, the thing that we spend all our my days stressing and fretting about, there's only a window period where our money and our earthly wealth will have any value. Let's, I'm not now saying don't save or don't steward. I'm just saying actually let's use it for kingdom things. Let's use it for eternal purposes. My money will serve eternity, not to serve my whims of the moment. There's eternal rewards. But secondly, I want to tell you, we get to also participate in the kingdom coming here on earth. What I mean by that is that we get to, when we are, I love being part of a generous community. I don't know about you, I love it. There are stories in this community of people adopting children. Yesterday, there was a birthday party where two, there was a photo of two kids standing side by side engaging this birthday party, and both were kids who'd been adopted in the last two and a bit years by people in our church. I want to tell you, there's, there's people in this church who have paid recently, because we're planning a church in the city, who came and said, I want to give you 8,000 rand, Gabe, so you can host a dinner for the team. And that person does not have a huge, vast amounts of money. But for that person, he said, actually, I want to do it. And, but he had eyes to see that moment. I will tell you, in this church, there's somebody who said, actually, there's Bible college going on. I want to sponsor 10 people for Bible college. So they said, he has 1,000 rand. You sponsor them. I love being part of a generous church. I love the fact that in this community, there's a man who's recently said, actually, I'm looking for a job. And there's a man said, I can give you a job for a day. And then another in conversation, another man said, actually, I can employ you for, uh, for the week full time. And this man is finding community, finding the generosity of community here. I love being part of a generous community. I want to tell you there's a, a man in this church here who heard about another guy getting married. And he knew that that guy's salary wasn't huge. So he said, actually, I want to help pay for the wedding ring for your wife. This is our church. 
not someone else's church. This is not some stories. This is our church in this room here. I want to tell you that there are stories of these things that go on and on and on. And we are in a church. I've said it. Uh, I promise that this will be the last time I spoke about this. That at the beginning of this year, I said in my heart, God, I want to do things. I want to be a people who respond to the blessing of God, not to respond to the economics of the day. That actually we are people of open-handed who, know, who see the revelation of Jesus, not the revelation of our poverty, not a revelation of our lack, not a revelation of how tough times are. You don't need revelation. Times are tough. That's why you need revelation of He is good, and He's the one who provides. And based on that, I'm not going to be a people who hoard, who demand, and take. We're going to be a people who give and receive. And that's a responsibility when we do that. But we do it not just for because we're out of duty. We do it actually with expectation of heart that He rewards those things. He rewards it, not as a jukebox, not like if I give, I'll get, but because he's a good father, and you can never outgive the giver. Yeah. You, you say, I'll never remain in your debt. You actually, God, if I open my hand, you're going to keep giving more, and I'm going to keep giving more away. And that's who we're going to be, we conduits. And that's the rewards we're doing in eternity and here today. And that gets me to this part here. In January, I said, I want to do that. So I, my wife and I, if you haven't heard the story, we gave away one of our cars. And I said, I remember praying, I said, God, this is huge for me as I fight the spirit of mammon in my heart, as we do this for my family. But God, also, I'm doing this for the sake of this church. God, would we be a church that does radical, outrageously generous things? And that brings us to today. So there's a moment where I want to land the service very quickly. Where's my friend Leon Lutz? Come on up, Leon. So this is my good friend Leon. Come up here, man. So um, I want to tell you about this man very quickly. This is an amazing man in the church. Um, he's been in the church for many years and, in, uh, and part of the Milton community. Helped with setup, helped with sound. So son's under there with the beanie. Oh yeah, Life Kids. Oh yes, yeah, I helped with Life Kids. Thank you, Mary. This uh, this amazing man comes into church. Uh, if you've ever seen him in, in in the red car, you get this. One of those uh, feels like one of those old clown cars because I don't know how many people they get in those cars. Just I see kids coming out and and uh, you've been an incredible man. I just you and Zander an amazing relationship. The way you've loved him, the way you've served him, you've been an incredible dad. You've seen him get married to Sharon, making steps of faith. We're so proud of you. And I think also for the rest of the community, you are a man that exemplifies what faithfulness looks like. And just even know in your business, a man who works e extraordinary hours, a man who puts in so much time, a man, if you don't know, he runs a security com uh, company with security cameras and does installations. He drives around, but he won't miss a Sunday. He'll be here and he'll bring a whole bunch of kids who from different homes, from broken homes. He brings them here to church where they've found family. They've been loved by the Life Kids team, Mary and the team and everyone in the back there. And, uh, and you've been a, a conduit of that. You've been a man who's, I think your generosity has been, you've seen God and you're like, actually, what, what I've got, I'm going to be generous with it. And you've done that. And uh, and the incredible thing is we are people who uh, we want to celebrate you and we want to honor you. And even a while ago, I remember you prayed. You said, actually, Gabe, I, I really want to. We prayed at the Milton High School. I don't know if you remember. We were on the, in the car park. And this was a year and a bit ago. And you said, actually, I, wa I, wanna, I, I need God to bring breakthrough. Because you work hard, but just feel like you're always just keeping up, keeping up. And I believe that this is a season of breakthrough, radical breakthrough for you. And we've been trusting it. And uh, the amazing thing is, so for me, this is huge. Because we preached about that. And uh, two weeks ago, a gentleman in the church who's, who's actually asked if he'll be anonymous said, actually, Gabe, I want to come. And actually, I've got a car that I want to give away. And he said, actually, it's not easy for him. He said, there's other million other thoughts I want to do it. But actually, I heard that actually God spoke. And, I, and he says, yeah, I want to, he says, I want to give it to you. And he says, you give it to whoever you want. So Leon, just want to tell you, I told you we've got a present for you. And um, I want to say that this is the present we want to give you. It's there on the screen. Yeah. 
And uh, come on now. And, uh, and just to let you know, so there's a car waiting outside for you. And uh, I've got a key for you. We've got all the papers. It's ready when your name, everything. And you owe no one anything. And uh, because, uh, but I just, and I, and, and I debated, we chatted with Brett and the team, and we said, actually, do we, do we just do this in private? But I want to tell you that I, I believe God says that he's wanting to do something in your life. And we wanted to honor you for your faithfulness. But it's, this is not a reward for your faithfulness. This is a lavish blessing from God. And I pray it will help set you up. Whatever you need to do, sell the other car, whatever you need to do, I think this will serve you and your family. But also I think it's the first down payment or deposit of greater things. We're going to see breakthrough in your life in that area. But also I want to say that I believe that this is the first of many in our church. We're going to see many, many things like this because we are a people of outrageous generosity. So we want to pray for you. Is that right? Let's pray for this man. Come on. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we get to, we get to do this. We get to be a part of a community of, 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 of people who trust you, God, in tough times. We trust you, not our economy, not our effort, not our sweat, not our ability to make a plan, but a generous Father who's lavish and kind and good. So, Father, I pray right now, would you pour out your blessing upon this man and Zander and Sharon and the family. I thank you, Father, that you are so kind. I thank you, God, for this man. We honor you for him, but we give you glory for what you're doing in and through him, God. And I thank you, God, for the man who has generously given this car. I thank you, God, for the privilege that he gets to celebrate in this blessing and this family's blessing as well, that you will pour out your blessing upon him. And I thank you, Father God, you say in your word, you, we can never outgive you. We thank you, Father God, that we get revelation of a generous father. And we pick up the responsibility to say, I'm going to be a conduit and use it for, to show off this generous father to the world. And Father, we do it with expectation that actually you will pour out your lavish blessings and faithfulness on us. So, Father, I pray for this man. I thank you, God, for this incredible day. Amen.